What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Roll Blob Podcast. Appreciate you being here. This is presented by the Broken Anchor, in case you forgot. And we are with the boys, uh, two boys tonight, myself. Um, some people call me Jason. Some people call me Cap. And my boy, Andy Pick. Andy Sorry Pick. Sorry How are we? <laughs> I mean, not, not going to lie, it's been pretty brutal arguing with idiots, but... Your own choosing. Uh, I, 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 I have my weakness. But, you know, guilty pleasure. We <laughs> even moved it all the way over to Facebook. Uh, I log into Facebook and uh, see you starting shit over there, too. It's funny because, like, he talks about how annoyed he is by it, but then he starts it uh, and then keeps it going. <laughs> okay, okay. In my defense, I was drunk and I saw something. I'm like, I just need to tell people they're stupid right now. It is annoying, but, like, I prefer to leave annoying stuff be and not seek it. But teach their own. I, I do feel like I can't keep my mouth shut, man. Coop is sick, so bless up for Coop. Um, and Andy, you and I continue to disappoint. Uh, if you remember that old commercial, um, it, it's like that commercial of like the fat white guy. He's like an accountant. His name is Michael Jordan, who just everyone's disappointed every time they see him. You know, he'll have like a reservation at a restaurant. They'd be like, we got a reservation for Michael Jordan. Then he walks up and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm Michael Jordan. They're like, oh, fuck. Like everywhere he goes, everyone's disappointed. Like that's yeah, they're expecting there. Michael B. Jordan from the Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, and... just the hell. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely us just disappointing everywhere we go. Um, we got a decent amount of stuff to talk about. We're going to get into a couple national stories. Uh, obviously, Carson Wentz got moved, some, a big NBA game, potentially an NBA finals matchup. And then we're going to have a nice therapy session and uh, talk Xavier Nation off a cliff. Uh, I think that's absolutely necessary. And then, yeah, go ahead. You cannot forget the big rivalry game for Xavier fans that we really, really care about. The that's UCLA true. Zona, they play tonight. That's I'm true. sure everybody knew that. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah, the, the, the Buick, the, the Buick sponsored game um, for, from Sean Miller there. And then uh, and then our boy Marcus Walters or I mean, Coop Ledford uh, got us a huge interview uh, with the head coach of Xavier Baseball, Billy O'Connor. And we're going to talk some Xavier base. Uh, I, I was a little bit surprised to know that they're playing right now. Uh, it's baseball season. And I remember I texted the group chat, like, isn't it February? And uh, you're like, yeah, that's that's college baseball season. And it's, it's, you learn something new every day. I'm clearly a uh, an all-inclusive Xavier sports fan over here, um, and and definitely in the know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the that's the fun thing about high school and college baseball is in order. It's the big motivation to make it to the state tournament or the College World Series. That's the only time you get to play in good weather. Sure, and I mean flying down south for the winter, but like I mean, I saw this this meme today that was like, I bet the birds that flew south for the winter are like fucking fuck, man. Probably pissed <laughs> it was, the fuck it was a trap. off. Have you ever used an aluminum bat when it's like below 40 degrees, bro? That shit hurts like a motherfucker. Yeah, well, luckily for me, I just swung and missed. So it didn't really Good hurt call. me. Smart so man. I'm just out um, thinking everybody. But with that, we are in the danger zone, Andy. Obviously, Coop is our uh, quality control. We're out, uh, we're out of mod tonight. <laughs> definitely, yeah, we are, we are down a mod, so um, we have to be extra cognizant. Uh, this intro is already kind of uh, setting the tone um, for the rest of the pod. We might go three hours. but uh, So I think before we keep going off the rails, let's cut to our boy Andy Mack, and we will get to the show.
All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you keeping it locked here. We definitely are happy to have you along. Um, if you can, please subscribe, please like, please review all that bullshit. I am going to hoe out and shamelessly uh, be a uh, be a review whore because um, I need more than $33. I'm trying to get that $34 dollar in. Hey, hey, big uh, news. <laughs> Cumulatively, we've cracked 40. Whoa, 40 piece. Big fucking dubs. God damn. Like, we have a dollar for every three Xavier shot on Tuesday night. And with that 500% Bitcoin return, bro, we're looking at a, a nice little chunk of change there. That's, that's almost like, if my math correct, two Gs. Two Gs, man. Two Gs. It's either $200 or two Gs or something something along those lines. You know what? It's but, more uh, than I have now. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the number crunching later. Um, I say we start with... I think Xavier Nation's favorite West Coast game, the Conference of Champions. Hopefully, Bill Walton's on the call tonight. We've got UCLA and Zona, sponsored by Buick Motor Company, uh, going at it tonight. That's always a fun one to keep it locked on to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you know, as Xavier fans, we really, really care about the Sean Miller McCrone rivalry. We have a circle on our calendars every day. It's actually more important than any Big East game. Um, yeah, so no question. We're gonna do a little bit of a preview. Sean Miller's sweating right now. Uh, and you got one it, coach calling his players retards, the other coach sweating all over the floor. You got Bill Walton eating cupcakes. I mean, with, with candles lit on them, you can't beat that, man. Just a quality, a quality machine, Qu- a content machine, Andy. Excuse my French. A, qu- a quality content, a quality quanti- content machine. Quantity machine. Quantity machine. I'm not the machine. I'm just Albert. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's all bad right now. It's all bad. Uh, I just worked out and my brain is fried. Um, <laughs> I got my I got my monthly workout in and apparently it's taken its toll. Uh, and then Andy, on top of that, I mean, the Iowa whiskey game was lit. Iowa looking good. Um, talking to the fraud haters tonight. I don't know. Like, who the hell said Iowa was going to be bad? I said they were a fraud, and my heart still says that I was a tournament fraud. My heart says second round tournament day. fraud. Like because they also, dude, I said this on Twitter, dude. I could really see Luca having like a legendary NCAA tournament. He just seems like the guy to me that I could just see putting a team on his back and having one of those crazy stretches in the NCAA's. I, and he, he definitely could because he. I, I think I heard it was like his ninth straight game scoring twenty plus, like something ridiculous. Right, and then he's got shooters all around him. So, like Iowa could put up eighty at any point. And believe, guys, hear me out. Eighty points is good offense. <laughs> we'll get more to that. Easy, Facebook warrior. Easy, Andy. I was gonna do a special intro today, and I forgot about it until right now. You mind if I run it? It's five seconds. You go for it, Andy. You think podcasts are cool? <laughs> I thought about it today randomly. I was like, I got to say that on the pod. I just had to do it. Right. I wouldn't have felt right. I appreciate you letting me get that off my chest. <laughs> it's like, like if you didn't do it, it felt like you like hold, held on the sneeze or Andy. Exactly. Right. Note. Or, you know, when you're thinking of something, you try to Google it, you can't find it or like a song name and it just sticks to you. I had to do it. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone out there. Let me have my moment. And then Andy, I think as we transition a little bit, just beyond the world of college basketball right now, um, it was a football story today. And uh, initially, I was thinking, like, God, what an absolute non-story. And I think the non-story is the Carson Wentz part. Um, I just don't know how much that changes the Colts' future. And we, I could be wrong. I mean, we saw what happened with Ryan Tannehill, uh, and I was dead wrong there. I mean, I, I kind of liked him as a prospect, but I would have never imagined he would have become what he's been in Tennessee. Um, so you never know. I mean, Carson's had his moments, and, and sometimes you need to change the scenery. I just don't see that being a game changer, and then the Colts don't have much around him either. I mean, we are talking about a former MVP which uh, that was a completely different 
Carson Wentz than what we're what we're seeing post ACL surgery. You want a regular um, season MVP? Yeah, like league wide. League wide MVP. Fuck. I think. I know that Nick Foles you know got Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm gonna say Carson Wentz is the MVP. It, like he was at least gonna win it before he got hurt. Fact check. Um. So you know what? Don't even fact check because you know I'm the fact check. I was I was told I like to be right today, so I am right. NFL uh, insiders and reports ranked Wentz as a possible MVP in 2017. Okay, okay, he probably didn't win it. In the first five games of 2017, he passed for 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. He was on he was on he was on an MVP type season. And you know what? We are talking. He was a former. He would have won it. You know what? He won the MVP. He won the, he won the MVP. MVP. You know what? Because you know no one's gonna fucking listen to this. So <laughs> uh, he won the MVP. Hopefully, right, so, so like he was a, he was a damn good player. Inconsistent as fuck. Makes terrible decisions when he's uh, when he's uh, when he's under pressure. Uh, which is where he was playing with the worst offensive line last year that he did not trust at all. But a big thing is the offensive line didn't trust him either. The Eagles hated blocking for him. And here's why. He, they never knew where the fuck he was going to be. Sure. He likes to escape the pocket just about immediately. He panics and just makes a terrible, terrible decision at that point. The Colts have a good offensive line. We'll see if he can start trusting them and they, and staying in the pocket rather sure. than escaping. If he starts panicking and escaping, it's going to be a terrible move. It's going to be terrible for the Colts. But sure. if he can build a, some chemistry with that offensive line and you know really buy into the whole run first and not shit his pants, then we might see a completely different Carson Wentz. I'm actually very intrigued to see how this uh, – yeah. when, when you oh. go from Phillip Rivers is a big game manager to – Carson Wentz, who's a scrambler and a, a not game manager. Right. Be very exactly. interesting. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely got the ability. And, and just before we leave the topic, I've always been an advocate of not shedding your pants. I just think that's just a good rule of thumb in life. That's just me. I'm teach their own, though. I'm not telling them how to live their life. That's just me. Um, but I thought the big story was the haul that uh, the Eagles got, Andy. Um, you broke that down to me earlier because I honestly haven't been paying attention to sports news for the most part today. Um, a second rounder, you said that could turn into a first rounder if Wentz plays 12 games. Yes, so um, 2022. it is a 2021 third round pick and, and then a 2022 second round pick. If, the, if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the season, which 75% of 16 does add up to 12. There you go for your math education today. We are an education podcast. <laughs> Box check. <laughs> so if he plays 12 games in that – All downhill from here. That second round goes, down to a, goes up to a first rounder. So – Big hole for the Eagles. For the Eagles and one for the back quarterback. Than, and one is less than two per sources. One is less than two. I'll have to get Marcus, but Marcus is not here. So we will get that to you tomorrow. Just remind us because I'll forget. God, Coop's gone. Sell stonks now, bro. <laughs> sell all your stonks. Do not hodl. Sell every single stonk you got. But I think that's a pretty solid haul for what Carson Wentz has been. Um, and if you were purchasing Carson Wentz stock right now, it would be on a massive discount compared to what it would have been two, three months ago. So I think for the Eagles to get that kind of a haul for kind of a, in a declining career, not saying he can't bounce back, um, but I think that's a lot. And he's had a ton of injuries and shit too. But, you know, we, we know we're mainly a basketball podcast. So let's move over to round ball here real quick. And we'll get to our last kind of national news story before, before we get into our Xavier stuff here. Uh, we have a potential NBA finals matchup here in the Lakers Nets tonight at 9 p.m. Uh, it's 9.06, so it, it probably just tipped off. 
Um, I'm not a huge Nets believer, to be honest with you, but I do think it's interesting. They've been clicking. Uh, they put Kyrie to the two guard, which is an interesting move too. They have Harden playing playing on the ball, Kyrie playing off, and it's, apparently it's been going really, really well. I've been like that. Me too. I've been really impressed by the the ego. Um, by the ego of all the, the Nets players. Cause you know, you look at, I was worried about Kyrie. I wasn't worried so much about Harden and Durant, um, but I was worried about Kyrie and it seems like he's handling it really well. It's really early. Um, and we know Kyrie's averaging what 40, 50, 60 games a year played. He never, he never plays a full season. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if he needs to go burn incense in, uh, in the Bermuda triangle or something like that, you know, mid season, take a break, whatever the fuck he needs to do. Um, but they've been good. I, I don't think they're going to go to the finals. I, I would take the bucks. Um, I just don't think that, we've ever really seen like forming a super team and it working out the very first season, especially right. mid year, you know, like they put this together during the season. Um, we've never seen that work out even with the best ones. I mean, even the heat had a really, really rough year uh, their first year together. I mean, they went to the finals, I think, but, but they were but bad. They, they did lead. They did lose to, I mean, people underrate that Mavs team. They underrated them like crazy because they just mm. didn't have the, they didn't have a bunch of first stars, but they worked well together. They were a damn good yeah. team. Everyone says Dirk and some dudes. And yeah. I, Kind of agree to that to a point. If you look at the talent between both teams, the Heat should have killed them. Um, but Dirk was on a mission. And then you just can't, in basketball, downplay the team element and, and the team chemistry and knowing each other. Right. And Sean Marion was one of the best defenders in the NBA. And they had a fuck ton of depth. I mean, they had they had a bunch. And Jason Kidd was still playing ball. And they had some dudes yeah. that could play. Yeah, that, was, that was a damn good team. Now, Miami should have beaten Tyson Chandler, Alabama. maybe. Did they still have Tyson Chandler? Maybe so, I, feel, so I, didn't, I want to look through that roster. I, I remember um, I was fucking at some like fucking camp or some shit that year. So I, I didn't watch the games nice. live. I, I would love to like watch the fucking that finals over again. That was a really, really good finals. It was um, great finals. Like I was hard. hard watching, I was just talking to a LeBron fan watching him lose to Dirk it's, and it's tough, especially with all, all the hate, haters out there that uh, yeah. look for that's every the only possible thing on his makes. record. In my opinion, that's the only thing on his on his entire yeah. career that you that you really can't make an excuse for. To be honest with you, I mean, you just watch those. He just wasn't mentally who he is now at yeah. all, you know, or who he's been the last, in my opinion, three, four, five years. I mean, you remember his first seven, eight years? I know we're kind of going off the rails, but it's a fun topic. I mean, his number one knock was that he passed out of big shots. You know what I mean? And he was yeah. too much of a distributor and not aggressive enough. And you saw it a lot in that series where he was he still didn't know who the role like they didn't know who Superman was on that team yet. It was still kind of Dwayne Wade's team. And you would see him catch on the block against JJ Berea, who is about as big as you and me. And he would pass out of the post. Yeah. That, that, and I'm like, and- LeBron, you're like 6'9, nice, 275, going up against JJ Berea, who's no taller than 6'1, no more than 180. And passing out of that? Bro, that, you should be teabagging JJ Barea in the post every single fucking time. And then when he did try to post him, would get low key bodied by JJ Barea. Yeah, it, it was just weird. LeBron just was not mentally at all um, who he is now at all. Was not the killer in any way, shape, or form that he is today, in my opinion. Um, and I honestly think that finals like kind of turned because we we talk about Heat LeBron being one of the best basketball, like probably the best basketball the world's ever seen. Heat yeah. Le- LeBron during those at times of the at game. least number two. At the very like, and it is very, very hard uh, because that dude dominated in every aspect. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard uh, to count against him. But I feel like that finals turned Heat LeBron into Heat LeBron. Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm right now. I'm picturing the the uh, the photo in my head where he's got his hands on his knees. And he's just like pissed off, oh, and, like yeah. staring like, stare at the camera. Like that was like in my opinion, when he became killer LeBron and, and really became who he is now. And, and obviously brought that championship DNA to Cleveland. Um, And I don't know why we kind of got off on that tangent. I I love LeBron talk, to be honest with you. 
Um, but that's going to be a fun game. I don't buy the net type as much, but they've been really, really good and a pleasant surprise. And uh, that'll be a, obviously a really, really fun matchup. Um, I, feel like, I feel like teams like might start figuring that out. But honestly, I think Steve Nash has done a pretty damn good job right. as a, as a year, first-year head coach. I mean, he's been handling hey, Eagles very, very situation. well. Because so, like, the big question was Eagles in, in Brooklyn. Right. And I think he's handled that very well. And he's even taken a, a lifelong point guard and taken him off the ball yeah. for a – um, for a categorized shooting guard. And honestly, a lot of those player coaches, like former player coaches that played like five years ago or less, they become coaches. They've really not worked out, dude. Like, like I can't Kidd, think of um, Eric Fisher, Jason Kidd, fucking um, – and I don't think Lou falls in that category because he had been out of the league for a little while. But, you know, when they were just like – like Jason Kidd retired and like two years later is already head coach. I'm like, what the fuck? Because yeah. I know Jason Kidd's got a great mind for the game, but it's a completely different like, – completely different skill set, you know, like being a head coach versus being like a point guard. You know what I mean? Like, as a point guard, like you manage the game, but you don't make substitutions. You don't call timeouts. Like uh, – and Managing egos, managing the whole yeah. round. Like that's a lot, like, man. It's, um, it's your team. Yeah. Like, you have we, to keep all that under control. Yeah, we haven't really seen any of those really, really work out extremely well. And, like, Kerr's been great, but he was out of the league mm-hmm. for a while. Um, but anyway, uh, that'll be fun. And I think now we'll move into the collegiate game um, and more of our, our local speaking, – uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, sure. Um, local interest, UCLA is off to a real hot start uh, scoring four points at the under-four timeout – at the under-16 timeout. Absolute. Westwood offense over there. I'm sure Mick Cronin is going to get them playing like the Showtime Lakers here very, very soon. Mick actually got a, big been good enough. Mick got a huge recruit. He did. Number one and shooting guard in 2022. He, he may have been right about the four letters on his chest. He may have. Yeah, he may have. We'll see. It's, it's interesting. I think he's doing a pretty decent job right now. I mean, I still wouldn't completely bet on him because he's Mick. Um, I'll still make jokes, but for sure, but he's doing he's a better a job than I would have thought. No, it's right. definitely not been a disaster. I mean, they could have done a million times better. At least you would think they would have. Um, but he's done a pretty solid job. I got to give him a little bit of credit. He's exceeded my expectations a little bit. Um, yeah, incredibly, it's still UCLA. I mean, yeah. you should be dominating UCLA. Um, the, you the have name, every the benefit itself, in the world. Sells. Yeah, you've every uh, benefit in, in the LA, world. Yeah, the big time brand. Um, honestly pretty cool colors um it's not it's not hard to get people to want to come to la right Uh, it's very very easy to for to get to someone hey you can live in los angeles california for four years during your party years and play for a big time national brand that has one of the best histories nba scouts just love yeah exactly there's there's a lot there um but let's kind of go to our team in blue here our Xavier Musketeers and uh, our boy Coop said it best um, using the hell in the cell. Being a Xavier fan has been hell in a cell recently. And, uh, and the fan base has not been making any more fun or any less miserable. It has just not been a good time. What a circus, dude. Twitter's not been fun. Absolutely have, circus. It has not been a good time in Xavier land. And I think it's a huge overreaction in my opinion, massive overreaction. And um, all things it's considered, yeah, all things considered, it's been an awesome season. I mean, as far as the on-court product, I know we've missed large portions of, of the season. Like, the last 40 days have sucked, you know, three games, whatever the fuck it's been. Um, it sucked, man. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. That part is blown. It's been a shitty winter. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, you know, you and I have these stupid bullshit jobs and no Xavier basketball. And, um, you know, I can't go hoop, you know, can't go to the gym. Um, 
it, it's been a shitty stretch for sure. Um, but as far as the on-court product, it's been really fucking good. And Xavier's sitting at 11-4 with the schedule they've had. I know it's not incredible. But a huge win against Oklahoma. Some pretty solid wins against some pretty solid Big East teams. Yeah, I mean, gonna, like respectable wins. Yeah, um, I mean, if you had promised me that at this point in the season, we would be the eighth, the eighth last team in, I would have taken that and run without question. And obviously – you know, it hasn't looked good. It hasn't looked good the last couple of weeks. It does appear to be on a downward trajectory, but I think they're going to get it figured out, man. I mean, and, like a lot of the, a lot of the things that have been our issue, just get better with reps. The defensive chemistry was just non-existent, and that uh, that was that a tough part to watch. Goes off like, and that happens when you don't play or practice together for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was <laughs> there was some positive and some negative I drew from that. Uh, obviously, this is an offensive-oriented team. I mean that. This, yeah, but we never gonna, were a good defensive team. That, that's always been We were decent at, at our best, but that was hard. In my personal opinion, I mean, that was hard for me to watch. I mean, just guys standing and just looking up while dudes are dunking on us. I mean, all game long. Just yeah. watching watching them throw alley-oops. And, and just not – in my opinion, bro, I think the most disrespectful thing in basketball or the most just like pussyfoot thing is just to let teams fucking dunk on you without even trying to contest a shot. Like right. that is just I pure throwing foul, my hands but- up. Yeah, that is pure fucking waving the white flag. I don't give a fuck about winning. Like, no one comes and gets layups and dunks on us easily. You know, if they're going to come and get layups and dunks, they're going to fucking think about it. You know what I mean? That is just basic. That is just defending your honor. Like, that is all about competitive and toughness to me. And I did not see a competitive and tough team in Xavier uh, against St. John's. And that was that's what's hard to watch is when and your team's will to win is less than the other teams. And that, can, that's a team that you really need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really need to out-tough them because they're right. going to be in your face the entire game, even when they're bad. Mm-hmm. They're aggressive. They're quick. They're tough. And You're going like, to be ready, dude. Like, you can't walk into St. John's on the road who's going to press you all game long and pressure you all game long. Posh is a pest. You can't just go into that game nonchalant expecting to walk out with a W. And I, that was kind of the mindset that it looked like. I can – I think the missed shots shit is fucking dumb. The th- the people dissecting the three-point bullshit, who fucking cares? This is a team loaded with shots. Our best shooters were shooting. No issue with shot selection whatsoever. I would have liked to see us driving a little bit more, maybe. Be a maybe little bit a more little aggressive. Bit, you have the but, ball in a great shooter's hand. Who's wide yeah. the fuck open? What's I have no with issue that? with Wilcher taking open shots, Johnson taking rhythm shots. No issue with that shit. Adam, Adam Kunkel? Like, taking rhythm shots and he's been a little bit cold, but still you want your good shooters being confident shooting into the, no you cannot handcuff your shooters. You cannot put a cap sure. on the three pointers, three point shots that your shooters have can take. Like my right. coach tried to do that and it did not work. Completely took me out of the, out of the game. Yeah. And never want to take Andy pick out of the game. You know, like mentally, like I was not mentally tough. So you completely took, you might as well just put me on the, put me at the end of the bench right there. Might as well have me sand my ass at half court. With his blind stick. With with his blind stick, yeah. Ready ready to start swinging. Now, if if we were seeing Carter launch six threes. No, that would be an issue. He shot two. Yeah, then we're talking. But a lot of them were from Wilcher, from Fremantle, from guys that I don't mind shooting the ball. Wilcher, Fremantle, Johnson, Kunkel, and Scruggs. Yeah, I don't don't know about you guys, but those are pretty damn good options to shoot 95% of your threes. And what's crazy is if we shoot – even close to normal, I would say if we split the difference between what we shot and normal, we probably win the game, honestly. Um, and and I don't think we deserve to win, by the way, that the effort that we brought and the defense that we brought. And, dude, oh, You don't my give up God. 93 points and win. You don't. 
or you, you don't expect to, you know, like, you can't, you can't hang your hat on that effort and be like, man, you know, we, we, like, I don't think anyone in the locker room, I hope was proud of that effort. And I think we saw it from Steele in the post game. I was actually happy to see yeah, that post game interview. With Steele. Fired up. Yeah. And the like, rebound. And you do not let, when you're six, nine, you don't let Posh Alexander out rebound you and get a tip in. That was the epitome of the game. I tweeted about that. That was that is completely inexcusable. He had at least, and sometimes he wasn't even getting the rebound, but he would impact the rebound enough where we would, we would tip it out. You know, we didn't box yeah. him out enough, and he would contest the rebound, and we would tip it out St. John's ball. You know, so he indirectly got it probably at least four, five, six yeah. offensive rebounds. And that, that there was is not the only no one. Like, Freeman was getting out rebounded by Posh is not the only, um, like, not, not the only, like, uh, only so, moment of the game where yeah. we did not show heart. That was just the most – that was the most fitting just, and the, yeah. the best description of the entire game. That's just a snapshot of it. Yeah, yeah, that just symbolizes what had happened. And we saw it all game long, like watching them dunk, watching them alley-oop, absolutely just giving them rhythm jumpers. Y'all, sure. And, and it's like I know that this Erlington dude isn't necessarily like the biggest score in the world, but these are Division One Big East basketball players, dude. Like I said, the same thing after UConn. Like you cannot let D1 dudes just take rhythm warm-up jump shots all game long. And then while they're hot, continuing to do it. Right. I can go to the gym and get hot, and you don't want to leave me open. And I'm just a fucking dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have no business even playing Division three college basketball. And I could score like, 20 points against that defense we play. We play. But good lord. And it's it's just the it's the it's the effort. Like that's the stuff that reminded me of 2018, 2019, where we were just the body language was horrible. The defense was just Sure, take whatever the fuck you want. That was a tough year to watch basketball for Xavier because that's not something we normally see. Um, but this was really reminiscent of that to me, and it was just hard to watch. It's just hard to watch your team not really want to win, you know? Right, especially like because we're in kind of desperation mode. We have one quality win. Mm-hmm. Beating a team that's won seven of their last eight um, with quality wins over Villanova. Yeah. And this wasn't normal St. John's. This no, was, it, it this was St. John's St. playing good ball. Yeah. Uh, this is a good St. John's team. And they have one of the, they probably have the biggest freshman of the year. And he's so good. He's just fucking incredible. And they won, dude. <laughs> we call them 50 50 balls. You, you knew who was getting it every, you knew who was getting it every single time. I mean, Fremantle had one just in his fucking lap and just said, Ole, bro, like have that shit. You know, it, that was tough, dude. Like all of the hustle plays, all the will to win plays. We're advantage St. John's. And that's just, me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been to concern me. It's been a tough stretch for And it's him, not man. like it's not anything to do with his talent. It is he takes himself out of the fucking game with his head. He's like, he doesn't want to play defense because he's afraid of fouling. Mm-hmm. Like he can't handle fouling, which I kind of get it right now because there's no BG. Well, so yeah, I, I mean, I understand I not wanting to foul. That, but we've seen it all season, though. But we we he, he gets so caught because he knows how important he is to the team, which mm-hmm. he's one of our most essential players in, in the offense. And that's important for sure. Like I don't want him over fouling or being over aggressive, right. but I, I like split the difference right now, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you gotta at least try. If you, if you foul by putting in effort, I'm cool with it. And then Scruggs had some bad foul. Like when dude Scruggs is the most valuable player of this team by a mile, in my opinion. And just those dumb reach in fouls, dude. And like, sometimes they're ticky tack calls, but they're, what is the risk reward there yeah. in a best case scenario? I mean, and also you're not in a good position to get a steal at all. Yeah. You know so I mean? The best case scenario is you tip it out and he has to run back and get it, for, for, run back four steps and get it. That's or the best we case have scenario. to take you out for the rest of the fucking half and miss our best player for eight minutes. It is just not yeah. worth it at all. Those are bonehead decisions that just cannot happen anymore. I mean, it, and that's been one of Scruggs' things for the last 
four years. years. I mean, since he's been at Xavier, I mean, that's been his thing. And freshman, sophomore year, or more freshman year, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, like we only needed to pretend in the game. But, dude, we – and the last two years it's hurt a lot because he's been probably our second or third best player every year. Um, It's at times our best. But now you're easily the guy. Like we just cannot afford you to have these dumb reach-ins where you're out of position and getting fouls that take you out of the game. Those are just things that we cannot afford, and they're just – bonehead plays and I love Paul Scruggs 99.9% of the time I have nothing but good things to say but that is his in my opinion biggest bugaboo it's like we need you in the fucking game you know what I mean like if you're in a great position if you're playing good defense and the steals there like by all means but it's when he's out of position and reaching behind their back and shit and getting dumb fouls and then the body slump that we've been seeing since I'm like dude like it's time to be a senior you know that shit cannot happen anymore he's been been leading the entire year he's been great he's been awesome I'm not trying to take anything away from him. It's just how good he is is why those are so frustrating. And it's the – like, we we absolutely need him on the floor, and he takes himself out of it. And, like, I I, I tell my players, like, what's the the point of gambling? Like, you miss, and then they have – That's the golden rule. You have to know you're getting the steal. If you're going to gamble, you have to know you're getting it. I'd much rather you not have a single steal or a single block for the entire season and just stay in front. Mm-hmm. I know I know eighth grade and division one basketball are just completely different. I the players are athletic as fuck. Um, and it's very hard to stay in front. But I'd much rather you not gamble and try to get a steal mm-hmm. and get um get a fast break, but I'd much rather you stay in front, move your feet, and not risk the foul. Sure. Because you only get yeah, five. And, five is not yeah. a lot. And there and there was in the last thing that was the effort piece, last thing I'll kind of get on, on this part before we kind of change topics was just the contesting of shots. Like, goodness gracious, just letting them shoot from three all game long. It it was a rough game. And I know that – and we played to their tempo a lot too. I mean, they sped us up a lot. And we we stayed sped up, and it caused us to make dumb decisions. And we had to play our own – fine with us playing fast. We can't play, like, out of control fast. uh, I don't think we need to be – we're trying to get a fast break every time. But we can move the ball quickly, and we can take quick shots. Like, sure. there's really nothing. Not for the most part, year. the offense was okay. I would like to see us play to our own pace a little bit more. But I thought for the most part, the offense was pretty good, especially for, yeah. you know, the break and everything. Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely it satisfied was, with that. It offense. was all effort and defense and rebounding yeah. for me. That, like, was, that was You cannot look at that game and think the offense wasn't good enough. Like, that's Mick Cronin-esque. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> get your get, – like, Mick was actually right in this position. The defense was not good enough. <laughs> That's where Mick was actually right. That's one thing I just like. I've heard the I've heard the number forty thrown out there a lot more than I've heard the number ninety three. Yep, very true. We've got ninety three points, and we're bitching about shooting forty threes. Very true. Um, because this has been a constant like four day thing for us. Just this awful dude. And before we kind of move on, that night sucked. That was about as shitty I felt as a Xavier fan in a while that St. John's game. And it's still been a pretty good year and stuff, but easily this year, easily the worst I've felt about. I mean, it's just hard watching your team not want to win, you know, and just the effort was horrible. The And it's just been a shitty time in the middle of a fucking pandemic. We finally get the ball back and they fucking suck. And then, uh, and then Twitter was fucking miserable. Oh, horrible. People have, have been, been awful. So pissed at this fan base. But, but, but kind of going on to the bright side here, and then we'll get more into more Xavier shit. Something that did kind of brighten my day. And I don't mean for this to be super mean or anything. <laughs> Harvey opted out. <laughs> so you see officially 0-2 uh, with Xavier's sloppy seconds. At least this one played for them. 
Do you think he's done there? Like, I, I was reading a little bit of the comments and stuff, and it sounds like the consensus is that he's not coming back. A lot and of them think that he is he's out. Because why the hell, Why else would he? I, mean, I understand like they're out of yeah. it. So like, why? Why? It risk can't it, be but, like a good. Like you can't feel good about him coming back to UC at all. No, there there should be no confidence there. No, I mean Zero maybe twenty percent, bro. It's going, and we talked about the job that Mick is doing, and he's doing a pretty pretty solid job. Brandon is not doing well. And I'm shocked by that. It is not going well for Brandon. And then also, too, can't I saw some recruit, can't, uh, That right. was the big thing. I've seen a lot of UC fans being like, this wouldn't hurt as bad if we had literally anything coming down the pipeline. Yeah, which I completely get. Like, those UC I fans I don't even think they right. have a commitment, do they? Not a single commitment. And then the good Madsen twin transferred out, right? And then I think one of the – I think Diara transferred out? Diara is back. So Diara opted out. Diara but they is lost back. someone, which cost him to right. come back. Um, Ivanowskis. Tra- Ivanowskis. He's right. going back to um, Slovenia, where the fuck he's from. It's just not been good, and and they've been eking out some AAC wins. I think they've won their last three all yeah. by like a five point margin. Um, but they're not playing good teams at all. Um, it's it's not been good. I mean, I think David Julius is good, and um. Davenport's real good, obviously. Keith I think Williams Davenport's solid. I think Terry Eason's okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they, they should be they should be excited about Eason, Davenport, DeJulius, and then uh, Mike Adams Woods. They should, they, they, should, they should be excited about them. But that's that's four guys. Yeah, they're solid, but like they don't have a lot. No, yeah, they. I mean, you look at what they have compared to what Xavier has, and the gap is widening a lot. Especially look at recruiting and what they're bringing in and what's on the rosters. I mean, they're going to lose vote and. Williams, who the fuck is going to be playing the paint for them next year? I mean, they're obviously going to have to hit the grad transfer market hard, but like that's not super ideal. I mean, I don't care how good the grad transfer is. That's you'd rather have a three or four year guy than a grad transfer every single time, you know? Yeah. Um, like, it's I mean, not a good look. Even we like we've we've had good quality grad transfers, but sure, not a lot of them. But have I would been still, and, and as good impact. as Nate Johnson is, I would still rather have you know a, a guy that we recruited all four years as a senior than a grad transfer as a senior easily it's not close right, it, they're, it, they're still getting into a like a whole new system like they're, sure. they're they have a they're a freshman in the system right but a senior in college and the grad transfer market's been great year. to us 100 but but totally and then it, it's just a it's the gap is widening like crazy right now and brandon can't stay on his feet half the time i mean it's it's been a rough look for uh for the for the bearcats dude it does not look good I mean, they're talking about buying him out, but that'd be a shit ton of money that they really don't have. Uh, it, and their debt is kind of crazy right now in the athletic department. It's not pretty. It might be because of that dreadful football program. That could play a part of it. And it, it, I mean, they've cut some top. Like they've caught some tough breaks. Like if you had asked me five to six, five, six, seven years ago, what their chances were of getting relocated to the Big Twelve, I would have said pretty damn good. And I'm yeah. It, it kind of surprised me. That they didn't make it. I mean, they they are – and I tell my dad this all the time. We always laugh about this. But they are just like as close to the cusp as you could possibly be without being good enough. You know, if they were just like the tiniest bit better, you know what I mean, at either sport, I feel like they'd be a shoe in But they're just just not good enough. And the, the, the worst thing, they're never good at the same sport at the same time. Exactly. Right. If you could – if you could, and it's crazy because like basketball has been pretty consistently decent for them. And football has been like – especially over the last decade, 15 years, improving a lot, you know, but they just can't get them to line up, which is nuts. No. I mean, it's, no, it's crazy, can. but um, the future of the, the crosstown shootout, 
appears to be a massive advantage for Xavier right now. And um, and I think we should kind of move on to like some of our our, our steel talk here. We kind of got on got on to Brandon a little bit, and um, I mean it just. I, I don't want to talk too much shit because it just never pays off. And I don't believe in karma. I don't believe in any of that shit. But for whatever reason, the more shit I talk, the more it backfires, especially ahead of the event. So I'm going to leave all that shit alone. We said our piece. We had our little laugh. Let's talk about our own program here. Um, so, so this is a safe space. We're in the trust circle here. And uh, we're going to quote the great Aaron Rodgers with an R-E-L-A-X. And so let's talk about this whole fire steel thing. Um, good. And um, it's not a thing. It's a complete bullshit of a reaction. It's so dumb. My number one thing, and it's pissing me the fuck off, is like uh, I posted a couple of those like videos today, like some of the, the shit from like uh, the Arizona win and like that old video of um, like the – it's kind of like that season video with the something just like this, the song that was playing for the end of a tournament. And I kept getting comments like, well, who was the coach? Yes, like, just shut the fuck bro, up. Shut the fuck up. You guys are absolutely miserable to be around. And um, they're unbearable. I, it's so Jesus bad right Christ, now. They're nauseating. It's so and it I feel like people forget that like 17 and 14 season that Mac had and like how bad shit looked for him at in that his point. Fourth year. Right, exactly. Fourth Not year. his second or third year. You know what I mean? Inheriting and he inherited a, a gold mine. A gold mine. And in the A10. You know what I mean? Yes. Inheriting Jordan Crawford, Two Holloway, Mark Lyons, Kenny Freeze in the A10. That'd and, be like um, inheriting Nova. D- d- developed, uh, it developed Jason Love. Oh, those that was, those were good teams, dude. Um, I mean, the, what he had to deal with that early on was, and he had some tough breaks too. I mean, the Des Wells thing, to be honest, was a very very tough break for him. And I mean, I honestly, he probably shouldn't have had to deal with that. And who knows? how good we would have been. I think we would have been pretty fucking good if the death thing hadn't happened. But also, and, you probably no don't one, get Trayvon Blue. No one's here shitting on Mac. Like, no, no one, absolutely no one not. here is saying, But he like, wasn't perfect at all. No. You know what I mean? And same with Miller. Miller had a losing season, you know? I, I just think that people – I mean, that was <laughs> – having a losing season in the A-10, and I know we weren't the same program. You know what I mean? Like, we, we shouldn't have been held to the same standard back then anyway. But a losing season in the A-10, I mean – and Steele's righted the ship with – some tough situations. And I know we've had talent on the rosters and all that shit. Um, but that wasn't but I, his talent. I think Steele's done a pretty decent job. I, and I will be the first to admit we've underperformed so far. Um, but this is his first year with his own, with our own roster he's put together. Uh, and also we lost some big, I mean, we lost um, Boudreaux, who I think would have been a really good player uh, in the recruiting classes. I think we're really, really hurt by Mac being one foot out the door. You know, I think that hurt a lot. Um, I mean, people are going to say what they want to about that season. And Snow and Rick say it was just a, uh, you know, a circumstance swing and a miss with that recruiting class. You know, the year we got Dontarius and, and Kennedy. Um, I think Mac had had something to do with it. I'm not going to say it was like everything. I do think a lot of them were genuine. Well, like, I don't think like Mac had like it was, I don't think it was a lack of effort on Mac, but I right. mean, it was pretty obvious he was leaving, so other coaches could use that against him. Exactly right. Like, I think we were hey, being kind of recruited against. You're with that. not gonna played for it's, him you're gonna play it for seems someone like else. smart money was yet. saying that it was pretty much known in like february that he was going to Louisville for the most part yeah. um and, and that's gonna play a huge impact on everything and, and you tell me i mean you look at our recruiting for the last pretty much 10 years there hasn't really been a miss other than that year 
I mean, there was one season that we only brought in Kaiser Gates, who ended up being a pretty damn good player. But yeah, that, was because, that was a huge recruit. But that yeah. was just be, but that was because we had five recruits the previous season. I mean, yeah. the, for the previous class was Ed Sumner, Trey Blue, at JP McCure, Sean O'Mara. You know what I mean? So obviously, you were going to have less quantity. And Kaiser was a really good player. You know, that, that was a good recruit. So we really haven't missed over the whole last decade, other than that. Um, and then he brought in a roster that didn't fit mm-hmm. and he tried to fill the holes. The grad transfers were misses, you know, but he was also adjusting on the fly and people forget too. When he first started his, all he had was Jeremy grow on the staff. He didn't even have a fucking staff. Yeah. They all went to fucking Louisville, you yeah, know? So, uh, I, and that, that, that happened officially in what March or April. Mm-hmm. And That's then a tough so time. he had a third together, a staff. Then Which he did he an also incredible lost. job with the staff, by the yeah. way, the this staff the, that he brought in is nuts. Snow said that. Snow was like, if you had told me a Xavier was going to steal uh, Jonas Hayes from his alma mater and a fucking Ben Johnson from his alma mater, I wouldn't have fucking believed you. I would have called you a fucking crazy person. Um, and Dante wasn't like the biggest git in the world, but he's doing a fa- fucking great job. And the staff has been awesome. I think with the staff they have, they're in great position. And that's that's one piece of the equation. I think the staff's been awesome. Like, it is, it's to the point where like, I'm cons- like every time a small school fires their coach, I am terrified. Terrified. Right. Because you know that phone is ringing about Ben Johnson and Jonas Hayes for sure. I'm not sure. terrified yet just because we haven't had the success with them yet. Um, I remember with Mac, like the last like three or four or five years, and we were just rolling, you know. I was every year I was like, oh, fucking Murray's gone or fucking Steele's gone, you know. Right. Um, Steele almost got taken a couple times. I, I, um, I, I, there was a, it was pretty much um, for when Mac left, it was higher Steele or losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, the staff he put together is incredible. Recruits. The recruiting he's done is incredible, and he has the same coaching philosophies oh, that no, we've had. I was forever. told yesterday that he can't recruit. That is fucking dumb. Mike Saber is a. I'm calling him. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah, I can't stand that fucking guy either. Um, <laughs> I might. I might have to change my blocking policy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I'm literally red. I cannot stand that motherfucker. <laughs> he sucks, dude. But like, to be honest with you, Steele's recruited better than Mac. Yes. I mean, easily, easily. I mean, no, his, his best class isn't quite as good as Mac's best class, but oh, he's, he's cons- strung them together. But consistently, the classes he's he has, he's got three incredible classes in a row. I mean, he has not missed at all. And and I think part of it, too, is how good they end up being. And, and that remains to be seen. But I mean, you look at what we have right now. They're not doing too bad. I mean, the young <laughs> the young dudes we've got um, the, look like um, they're going to they look like they're going to work out. Of our 84 points the other day, 45 are scored by freshmen or sophomores that, guess what, were brought in by Travis Steele. And then, too, now that it's year three and he's got a little bit more traction, I was a little bit worried, to be honest with you, with the grad transfers. The first two years, I mean, other than Hankins, weren't really cut. Yeah, the wings and the Bryce guards. Moore didn't really work. And um, I think there was some tough stuff there. He was still playing with the really bad injuries and shit. And I yeah. think he would have been a lot better had that been normal. Um but Castlin wasn't quite up to snuff. Wellage wasn't quite up to snuff. And they were okay. I mean, they did their best. They weren't horrible, but they were not up to snuff. But this year, I mean, Nate Johnson, Kunkel, I mean, Griffin. Ben Stanley. Ben Stanley. I mean, it's, Obviously, it's, we haven't seen much of him yet, but I mean, it's on another that's a level. good get. Yeah, those really four have all been awesome. There has not been a miss, and not even not, not been a miss. Like, Nate Johnson has been as good of a grad transfer ever. Yeah. I mean, and, straight and grad we, transfer. And we're and we're seeing exactly how important Brian Griffin is to this team. Mm-hmm. Just by those p- past few days of not having him out there, he yeah. is like he's one of the best rebounders on this roster. Sure. And we are we're dying without him right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's huge. And, and obviously Stanley's gone too. Um, so that's a lot of interior pieces. You know what I mean? That, that you're missing. And, uh, and Fremantle just hasn't been the most physical dude in the world. And, and he's awesome. You know what I mean? Fremantle's great. And I think he's going to be an awesome player. He, he's I'm, never I'm not been worried about Fremantle's physical dude down there. Last year, last year led me to believe that he was going to be. You remember the, the UConn game? He had like five blocks. Yeah. Um, and, and he's also like his, his videos and shit always were like tough and shit or whatever. Um, but I think he has it in him. I just think that he's had to like change his game a lot this year. Um, it's, it's in his mentally. I think it's, I think it's mental a lot too, but whatever. Um, but whatever. But I think you look at this roster top to bottom and it, it's, it's there. And I think this team has put it together a lot this season too. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't think the first four games of the season looked great. Um, but once they got into a rhythm, like there was it the fifth or sixth game, we were one of the, top 15 teams in the country as far as what the kind of brand of basketball we were playing um we were playing absolutely awesome and and two we just got back from a ridiculous break you know and i think there's something to be said about that honestly like taking six straight weeks off is better than two weeks off play one game completely shut down again and then come coming back like the consistency like you really need it Absolutely. Getting back into it, you think it's going to be all back. I mean, you, you look at the Big East. Back out of it. You look at the Big East standings, bro, and like there are teams that have played like six, seven, eight more Big East games than us. I mean, it's a it's a substantial margin. Um, but I just think you look at the whole picture, and I just cannot understand for the life of me these steel haters, bro. And there is stuff on him. Like it has definitely not, not been perfect. perfect. I, I think there's a lot to be said about the first couple of years we definitely underperformed for sure. But he's also under fucking forty. The job that he's doing under forty. At a Division One, honestly, one of the Big East flagship programs. We've been the second best Big East program. I mean, inheriting that under 40, getting the staff that he's gotten, recruiting the way he has, with the track record of the system that he's run, which is, I mean, he's, I mean, he said, I mean, he believes 100% in what we did under Mac. I mean, for the 11 years that he was here before he got the head job. I mean, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous to, to want to move in a different direction right now. If you're serious about that. So, I mean, if you're serious about wanting to move in a different direction, I think you're, you're messed up in the head. Um, because if you just want to gut this whole thing and, and we're Xavier, you know what I mean? Like we're not Duke. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that Xavier has the pull to go get an outside. And I remember those stupid AAC fans, like you guys should have made an outside hire, like fucking UConn. We've never, ever made an outside hire. Never Not have. Once. And then, two. Since, since I don't think Xavier would have had the pull to get a Dan Hurley. Oh. You know what I mean? I don't think that we – and 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 I'm not going to, like, sit here and pump UConn, but, like, UConn's a bigger brand than Xavier is, without question. Whoa, you know? whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. Since <laughs> when? <laughs> since 2017 when they went 14 and 17 in the AAC. <laughs> um, but I just don't think that – and I remember when we were doing the whole hiring process, and the three big names were Miller, Alford, and steel. Those were like the three big oh, names. Pat Kelsey was the guy, man. Kelsey was a big name too. Yeah. Come on. Like none he's of doing those a phenomenal job at Winthrop. He's looking really good, but also too, the UMass thing was fucking weird. Remember that? Fuck, man. That was not a good look. He's doing. That was not a good look. I just thinking, I just think that any, going anything other than steel would have been a weird call. Yeah. I mean, so Miller was a Miller, Miller was a huge risk. And, Fuck Alford. But he was already in the um, he was already in a bunch of trouble. Yep. And then Steve Alford, get the fuck out of here. You yeah, wanted absolutely. him. You saw what he did to the one of the biggest brands in college basketball. Drove him into like, the he ground. He destroyed them. Yeah, absolutely. Like he had nothing. No, fuck <laughs> he Steve drove a, Alford. He drove a Rolls Royce off a fucking cliff. 
<laughs> like, so if you thought Steve Alford was the option, then you need to be, you need to jump yourself, throw yourself off a cliff. And then. Right. And, the, and the job that he's done, I think it's just pretty damn solid. And then too, I mean, he inherited the team after the best season Xavier's ever had. Yeah. And, like, the, and, a, and an exodus of what, 80% of the points or whatever the fuck it was. 80% of the, our, our leading, we, had, we returned one starter who started half the year. Um, right. And that was Najee Marshall. And there was but, some good young talent, but not one of them was dependent upon night after night. Right. And I mean, so that's good, one thing but... is every single player on that roster was now in a new role. Not one of them had ever been a guy that you need to go get a bucket. Sure. Like Q ball was, um, I call him Q ball, but Q, he was, uh, like he was a facilitator. He'd drive and kick to a shooter. Now we need him to be a scorer. He's never had to do that since high school. It's a lot easier so, to look good when you're passing to Trey and JP. Right. Uh, and, or dumping it down to Karen Cantor and, or kicking out to Kaiser Gates. Like, you look phenomenal that That way. team was loaded. So, but when you need him, he, he never and, had – And really Kaiser, Kaiser Gates. And uh, Kaiser Gates. That, man. I know, but we go to the tournament with Kaiser Gates that year. I, oh, I will, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Kaiser Gates. We left. lost Kaiser. We yeah. lost Kaiser. Yeah. I, I will hold that. I will die on that hill. We go to the tournament with Kaiser Gates. Especially no question. With, with the way we saw, like he got aggressive. When he he um, would have had an awesome senior year, because too, dude, he was. Remember the start he had to his junior year? He was looking fantastic. Three point specialist, man. He was. But two, on you didn't fire. need him to be good. You know what I mean? You had Trey and JP and Cancer, and you were loaded to the fucking sky. You know what I mean? You didn't need Kaiser to stay in rhythm. If it was the year after, you're you're gonna have to shoot out of your slump, Kaiser. Kind of like Kiki last year. You needed Kiki. When yes, we had him, you needed him. He was the only legit knockdown three-pointer that shooter that we had. But this year, you got Welcher, you got Kunkel, you got other fucking dudes that can knock down on a night-by-night basis. If Kunk, if Kiki's off, doesn't want to play defense, fine, grab some bench. Yeah, like then, we have guys that are going to do it. Kunkel out there who's ready, and he's and Kunkel's also a better facilitator. Right, and so. is pretty much playing better in every other facet. I'm not oh, saying yeah, that he has so. a higher. I think Kiki has a higher ceiling, but he, in every other. And just bringing it on a night by night basis. Anyway, but I think with Kaiser, easily a tournament team. And then I think that gives you a lot more momentum going into the next season. And that could have played out a similar way. But also, too, you're one stupid charge call, call away, horrible charge call. And then, too, there were a lot of things that played into it the next year. Um, but you know, I, I that, think I mean, Najee decided that he was done pretty yeah, early. I know. Um, and a lot of things played, in, played a part in that. But I just think you yeah. look at the entire job that he's done, and it's also so fucking early. You know what I mean? And that's why I'm so tired of hearing all this dumb bullshit too is it's like it's year three. Like, and I think we're on a, a good upward trajectory. And we have armchair coaches who are sitting here talking about the rotations like they have any idea what the fuck they're talking about. I kind of hear them on the rotations. That's been one of my gripes. How? How? I mean yeah, – so, yeah, the, one, the, the one against UConn did not make sense. That was I mean, bad, and we that, kept him in way too long. I, I think some of the rotations have been weird, but that's not a fireable offense. You know, at all. Like, weird to us. But here's the thing. All we see is what happens between the lines. Yeah, that's, that's very true. So we yeah. don't see what happens in practice because, like, you can if, – if you're not bringing it in practice, how the hell am I going to trust you to bring it in the game? That's the Kiki thing. Like, so, I mean, yeah, it is. I'm right. not, not, I wasn't even talking about him specifically. Right. But, like – and then also coming off a shutdown, like, you need to get your key players back into rhythm. So, like, um, Brian Griffin played four minutes against um, Butler. Uh, and Zach Freeman will play 36. And that's because we needed Fremantle to get back into into the swing of things. Sure. We need a pretty young team, too. Rhythm. So, it's also like, a pretty fucking young team, other than Scruggs and Johnson. We really are, yeah. I mean, Do we even have a junior on the roster? No, they all, that was the 2018 class. Right. 
Yeah, that was the complete. I mean, that's class. technically yeah. Adam Kunkel's a junior, but he's really technically a sophomore. Right. I think this is huge. I, I think this this year for Kunkel is absolutely massive. He's been so much better than I anticipated. I think it's massive. I think we were counting on him to be a pretty damn good player. And I was expecting him to be good next year, but I certainly wasn't expecting him this year. And then to get a whole pretty much year of experience under your belt before you even start mm-hmm. your junior year. I mean, this is just found money with Kunkel. I mean, he's been absolutely awesome. And I was, I was always excited about that, that commitment. I was, I, I sent a, I took a video of me drinking a yeah. bush light. I think it might be, I think it might be cool. We don't have to do this now, but I think it might be cool at some point just to kind of like catch up with the recruiting class and kind of just like give our grades on how it's panned out so far with Steele's, you know, pretty much Steele's group at this point, you know, with last year's recruiting class the year before that and kind of give our grades on how they've panned out the transfers as well. Um, Because they've pretty much as a, as a whole, I mean, you look at the whole unit. I mean, the, um, the first class that he got, which is now sophomores, Fremantle and Tandy. Fremantle, Kiki, and, and I guess Ramsey. But, and Deontay. And Deontay. And, and then this year's class, Colby, uh, Dewan, CJ, which is a monster class, it looks like. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, and then these transfers yeah, honestly, we brought like in. The, the least impactful has been Dewan recently. Which is nuts. That's that's insane. That just that just speaks to how good Colby and CJ have been. Remember when we were talking about the Colby Ed Sumner comparison? Not like them as players, but just like the way outperforming your ranking and like yes. just seeing them practice before the season and be like, whoa, like this dude. I think that's been I mean, he was validated. Easily, he was easily the bright spot of the St. John's game. Um, that dude's a beast, man. And he's doing it in so many different ways. Baby Josh Hart. I mean, he is he is really, really, really good. And I think I still think Dewan's gonna be awesome. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Like and I'm not even saying Dewan has been bad. No, like, not even not even a little bit. It's also just weird to judge anybody right now um, negatively. But or but Colby's been fucking good, dude. <sighs> Dude's a stud. And can you imagine he if he had started the season normally? I mean, he missed the first. Four, first, fifth, or sixth of the season. Yeah, he know? missed the first three games, um, and then, uh, then all, obviously, then he got then he got COVID. He missed another game. Yeah, he's been he's been incredible, and I I just think that you look at these young pieces, and it's just way too early to judge Steele like this, and we're having a good year. We're having a we're fucking good year, and we've had, I mean, early on we had it pretty decent, but like we've had about as tough of a COVID of COVID yeah. season as anybody. You know, like, like I'm not gonna say it's the toughest in the country, but as tough as anybody, you'd be hard pressed to find 280 other teams that have had it worse than us, COVID-wise. Especially, like, I mean, not even like I know DePaul had it tough to start off, but they've been, oh yeah, they've been back. Once they got right. back, they were completely back. DePaul's always been back. Yeah, <laughs> they never DePaul, left. DePaul stays back. Um, so I just think it's kind of ridiculous. And then two, we don't even know how the rest of the season is gonna play out. And then also, I'm gonna say this one last piece while we kind of reminisce on Steel, the first year was a rough start. Remember going like to Maui and getting our doors blown off? Uh, I think I remember Elias Harden, I think had like an 18 point game or something like that against Illinois. Q hit like a um like oh, Q hit we actually a, played um, Auburn a, tough. A time game. Yeah we played, we took Auburn overtime but, but I just remember I remember and just then like we come right back and get <laughs> fucked on by um San Diego State. Everyone wearing headbands and shit. That was yeah. a weird time in Xavier basketball. Um but I remember it was probably like 10, 11, 12 games in, like pretty much before Big East play started. And and there was one point we were sitting at like like five and nine, or we'll call it six and nine just to do it. And it was really – and just the, the energy was horrible and just the rumblings inside the program were horrible. And I was just like, man, this thing could go off the rails quick. And we rattled off – what was it, eight of ten, seven of ten? Seven straight wins. Something like that. And then 
almost had a chance to punch back in the tournament. Yeah, we um, were what we were a, tra- a bullshit charge call away from yep. a tournament berth. I thought that was an incredible. I thought that said a lot, you know, like just turn that thing around because it was in a rough spot with young players and not, and not much. I thought that said a lot. And, but he did that last year too. I mean, he, he kept us alive, you know? Um, and I think there's something to be said for that. And, and obviously they weren't great seasons. I'm not going to sit no, here and it, but he kept it, he kept it afloat when it looked really bad, you know? Um, and I think we're in a great spot this year. So I think it's over. I think it's overstated and we'll kind of get into like our, our tournament looks right now. Uh, on, or your favorite guy, Joe Lenardi has us the, um, the first, uh, the eighth last team in. So we're in the first four buys per Lenardi. And I think there's, you know, it's just Lenardi, but obviously I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, whatever. The fact that um, Lenardi has his hand, that's just, that's just tell you we're safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. definitely trust Lenardi all, all the way home, but uh, we're in position. I, I mean, right now, and I, I think we have a, a really good bounce back game against Butler this Saturday. It's um, a huge opportunity, yeah. opportunity to run off a few, couple good wins. I mean, maybe not the schedule's getting, wins, a, but... the schedule's getting more favorable here and we're yeah. going to have some tough ones too, but I think it's getting a little more favorable. And we got Creighton at home and then, and uh, Butler at home. We got to go to Georgetown, I believe. I think so. Yeah. I think you're right. And to Marquette. So definitely a winnable stretch. I mean, Creighton's going to be tough, especially if we don't want to put our hands Obviously, up. Obviously. Yeah. But we on paper, I mean, should beat all those other teams. Uh, honestly. I mean, should, should win three of the four, three or four of the next five. And I'm expecting the sense of urgency to increase drastically here. Um, with, the way, with the way Steele was, had that pressure yeah. last night. Right, and I really night. do – I really do like the the mentality of this team for the most part too, especially with how young it is. I think this is a group that um, – and I'm not here to bash the, the, the past couple of years, but um, I think this is a little bit more of a team concept, a little bit more of a let's play to win mentality than what we've had the last couple of years with the best players that we've had. Um, not like they're bad dudes or, you know, selfish dudes or whatever. Um, but I think this team's got some, some special uh, mindsets. You know what I mean? In the locker room. And I think, I think they got a bright future. I'm, I'm expecting a bounce back to here. So uh, I, I would say just don't over overjudge while we're currently in the field before the season's over, you know, there's still a ton of time to get there, get it right. And right now it looks pretty good. You know, obviously it's less than ideal. It sucked. It was a shitty night. Um, yeah. But I just think it's a massive overreaction for this what's been a pretty good has season. no idea how to take a fucking loss. And, like and, I, and I get it. It's been a tough couple years. It's I mean, been tough, but come on, like actually watch the fucking game before you. Yeah, that, that's uh, true. I, I just think like, it's been knee jerk reactions. I just think it sucks that, you know, we took one of the toughest losses in program history um, to put a cap on what we what it seemed like something that was building up for a long time. Then you have two NIT seasons in a row. Uh, and then you have a pretty good start and then you kind of see it kind of, you know, maybe going off the rails a little bit and, uh, you know, in the middle of a pandemic and whatever the fuck. Um, so I, I get it. You know, this fan base is hungry. You know what I mean? It's been, I, I get that we're hungry, but like bitch about the correct things. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I know what you mean. I'm just now, saying, I, I'm just saying I get that it's been tough, but let's keep our heads on straight here. I get that. Like, but let's be smart. Let's use our brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I've, I've called my own fan base stupid way too many times. Yeah. And I'm just over it. Like, and it, and two, it's just like, who are you helping by being a negative asshole? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Like, it's just the fucking worst. It's, it's miserable. It's miserable. It's exhausting. It's yeah, exhausting. It, it's not fun. So, so get over yourself. Especially and, as someone who can't like let shit go. Yeah. Fire. I'd rather fire these people. Like I, I don't want to fire steel. I just want to fire the fucking Twitter clowns. Um, anyway, I'm kind of tired just talking about the Twitter clowns. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the bounce back game on Saturday. Um, 
because that that sucked <laughs> watching us against St. John's. That was not fun. Uh, but I think it's going to be starting to be bounce back season. Um, but anyway, uh, on to more national news here. Uh, our boy Tim Tebow, uh, the legend, the man who pretty much made first take a hit, um, has officially retired <laughs> um, after an illustrious baseball career. Baseball is losing a legend. It happened yesterday. Uh, I mean, how, what, what are they going to do with that, without these without these numbers? I mean, a slash line of 223, 299, 338, and with an OPS of uh, 638. That is just absolutely mind-boggling numbers. And, like, all that in, in the elite minor leagues. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be – I'm going to be honest. It's, like, it's, an, it's insane to play professional sports in one sport. I respect how good he was at baseball. Honestly, I'm being dead serious. But I'm gonna make these jokes. (laughs) I mean, he was pretty. Make a lot of them (laughs) for making a career change at what 27, 28, 29 to a completely different sport. I mean, he probably hadn't played baseball since he was 20, if even then, probably high school. And to go to Double A and hit in the 200s, I'm gonna give him respect for that. Well, I mean, you know exactly why he went to Double A. Why they were they were called the Mets. They're the Syracuse Mets. Yeah. So now they can sell Mets Tim Tebow jerseys. Yeah, that makes sense. But he wasn't horrible. I mean, it's not like he batted 120. I mean, what he said, what he batted in 250s? Um, his over the over his career, he hit 223. Wasn't he starting oh. to do okay though? Like there towards the end? There was one year. Okay, so in But you can't expect him to come in from the fucking NFL. Yeah. After in broadcasting on game day for two years. Over 84 good. games, he actually had a fairly decent season. So right. it was um, – so his on-base percentage was 336, which about 353, 60s, pretty good. Um, 273 average, which – I mean, I, I really terrible. hate batting average. Um, it's not so terrible, it's though. really not bad. If you're if you're up there, then you're putting, the, putting a pretty good bat on the ball. I'm going to put some respect then, on his name for that. Um. And he's and he hit, he's obviously a strong guy, so he hit he hits the ball hard. Uh, his um he he was getting on base pretty well, and, um slugging yeah. nearly four hundred, which I'm gonna give so him some respect. Some pretty good extra, extra base. That was a pretty That's decent a solid year. season. Yeah, for in, a, in the minor leagues after um, not playing baseball for probably a decade. Yeah, that was um that was in his third professional season. Okay. That's not terrible, man. I'm, I'm going to give him some respect. Just kind of like, I think Jordan's kind of slept on for how decent he was getting there at the end. Um, Jordan I'm gonna, was pretty fucking bad. I don't know, man. He was starting to get kind of good. You ever seen 30 for 30? Yeah. Where they jerked him off. I mean, he started <laughs> off. He started off terrible. Obviously he was horrible at first, um, but he was starting to get better. He was, he was getting better, whatever. Um, um, Michael Jordan slash line in comparison. Yeah. Let's look at Jordan's last year with the Barons. It was only a year. Oh, we only so played two, one season. Yep, two hundred two on base percentage of two eighty nine, slugging percentage of two sixty six, and an OPS of five fifty six. So, um, Tim Tebow had him beat in everything over his in his, career. in his third year though. No, over his career. Yeah, but I mean, getting getting more yeah. time to play is obviously going to help. I mean, MJ had one year off the fucking street. Yeah, right that, off uh, the fucking Bulls. That's I think like that's advantage biggest, Tebow. Uh, he did work 51 walks, which that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, fair enough. Over over 127 games. Fair yeah, enough. Like, but, uh, um, I don't want to talk too on, much about Jordan yeah. baseball. <laughs> getting on base less than 30 percent of the time is 
very bad. But rip to Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow has been a massive, massive source of sports entertainment over the years. Oh, absolutely. Um, I love the guy. And I, now that he can go to full, full time on the SEC network, I'm all for it. He made my job detailing cars when I was a kid bearable on my lunch breaks. And I would just watch Stephen A and Skip just yell at each other and DJ Steve Porter making those weird music mixes about Tim Tebow and shit. That was a fun time in sports. I miss that shit a lot, honestly. That was a fun, fun time in sports. Literally an hour every single day dedicated to Tim Tebow. Every day. Monday through Friday. Whether it was football season or not, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is always, always in the news. Oh, and my God. We've had a Content. lot of baseball talk. Yeah, baseball podcast check them. Yeah, i guess check we're a baseball the podcast because i mean guess who our guest is hit me with it our guest it is officially baseball season guys and if you're a diehard xavier fan like we are you know the legend former baseball player former xavier player himself billy o'connor our boy coop did it got got himself a hell of a commitment xavier's head baseball coach billy o'connor he actually did this interview himself. Cap and I are not part of it, and which is ran. which is a plus. It, it's and, it's good. And for obviously, the, it's baseball season. Nothing says it's baseball season like eight inches of snow. You know, obviously, you're you're probably in the baseball mood these days. I'm I'm sure you're feeling it. I'm sure you've been craving some some baseball content. So we got the big snag for you. We're here for the people. Well, no better way to enjoy a nice little snow day than baseball talk with Coop Lenford. Coop Ledford here on the Roll Blob podcast presented by the Broken Anchor, and I'm pleased to be joined by Billy O'Connor, the head coach of Xavier's baseball team. A little bit of background about Coach O'Connor. He was a former Musketeer player, played in 2008 and 2009, won a regular season title in 2008 in the Atlantic 10, and was the most outstanding player in the 2009 A-10 tournament. He's been on the Xavier staff since 2014. And took over as head coach in 2017 or following the 2017 season and is entering his fourth year as the head coach and coach o'connor how refreshing is it to finally be preparing for a baseball game after basically a year of no real competition with other teams at least yeah it's crazy um you know it, it's it always seems like it's a long time from game from the end of one season to the start of the next but it really was a long time this year um you know and, and all the things that we went through as a as individuals as programs as as a, as a society it's it's been a challenging year so to be on the cusp of being able to get back out there and and start playing again is, is really exciting you know it kind of hit me the other day so i went to the xavier um Xavier game this this past weekend when they lost. This is the first sporting event I've been to since since March. And like it didn't really dawn on me. But you know, you go there and, and just being back and seeing how those guys are competing and it really got the juices going. Not that I needed it anymore, but just being in that element again of watching college athletics, watching people play in person, like man, it's it's exciting. You know, it's been a long time coming, but our guys are they're pretty fired up to get started up this weekend. Oh, no doubt. I'm sure it's been just a crazy offseason and everything like that, especially baseball was probably hit harder than any sport. I mean, barely getting your feet wet, not even getting into a tournament play or anything like that. Just 15 games into the season last year before uh, had to kind of end it prematurely. But um, kind of a, a fun fact, I, I shouldn't say fun, just a fact rather. 
last Big East baseball game played actually featured your Musketeers against Creighton on May 25th, 2019 um, in the Big East championship round up the street in Mason at Prasco Park. So uh, yeah, definitely been a long time coming, but um, with all this COVID stuff going on, how hard has it been just coaching and recruiting through all of this, maybe not seeing guys in person or having to do Zooms like we're doing? Just what, what kind of has been the, the big struggles with that? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's really been a challenge every step of the way a little bit. Uh, the one thing I'll say is that Xavier's done a great job. Xavier's administration, Xavier's a school. They've done a great job of enabling us to, to really try to keep things as normal and really give our student athletes a great experience since they've back, been back on campus. But that being said, we've had to structure things differently with the way we schedule our practices, with the way we use our locker rooms, with the way we break down to, to different parts. It's, you know, we, we really, we haven't had a team meeting really outside of a few times when we we're able to go outside and sit in our, our stands at our field. Uh, we haven't been able to do it just because there's not really the, the space to, to bring a big group together and, and be able to communicate with those guys. So it's been different for sure, but my goal from the beginning has been to, to try to preserve the core of what this is all about. You know, there's some minor uh, sacrifices that we're all going to have to make to make this thing go and, uh, and, and make sure that we get a chance to play this year. But the core of what the college baseball experience is to me, that that's my biggest goal and what I'm trying to preserve. And I think our guys are having a great experience so far. So it, it's definitely been different with coaching, certainly been different with recruiting. We've been in, in a dead period since uh, since March of last year, which means we haven't been able to do any visits. We haven't been able to go out and watch any kids play. And that, that's been unique. You know, when I first hit last spring, it was like, okay, how is this going to work? You know, like, are we even going to offer kids? Are we going to get kids to commit to us? Are we going to be able to see anybody? And then like anything, people adapt, you know, and all of a sudden video becomes a lot more available. All of, all of a sudden the metrics of, you know, the pitch, the spin rates and the, all the different things we measure that we look at, that becomes a lot more available. And it's like anything else, you you make adjustments. And before you know it, we put together a great class last summer. So um, it's different for sure. I love being out on the road. I love watching baseball as much as possible. And like I said, I haven't been able to do that for a long, long time. So it's been a, it's been a strange 11 months since this thing all hit, but uh, excited. It feels like we're kind of moving out of it here in, in, the, in the near future. Yeah, hopefully, especially by the time uh, you get back to Cincinnati and are able to play home games and stuff like that. Hopefully things will kind of start to turn the corner a little bit, but as far as fans in stadiums or anything like that, have you heard, is it going to be just based on, uh, you know, schools policies is the big East policies different than say uh, the sec policies as you prepare to play like Texas A&M and Auburn this season. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's kind of case by case. I know when we go down to Texas A&M this weekend, I think they're working at a 30% capacity, um, which their 30% capacity, I, I think it's going to be a pretty uh, pretty raucous crowd. So I'm excited to, to get out in front of them. I know here at Xavier, we're still working through exactly what it's going to look like for us. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of a case by case. I think most um, most schools will have some sort of capacity. Um, but to exactly what it's going to look like, I don't know. And like you said, I'm hopeful that, you know, what we talk about is at Xavier for the first game, it, it's maybe less than what it's going to be in May when we're playing at the end of the season. Um, and hopeful, th hopeful things keep moving in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Hopefully we can uh, see some fans, especially at Prasco Park. I always love going up there. I used to live about a mile from Prasco Park. So went up to the Big East Tournament. Um, in 2019, it's just great facility and great seeing 
you know, a bunch of Xavier fans, especially given that home field advantage a little bit, but. Um, do an incredible job. It's a great experience for, for not just our, our guys, but, but everybody in the big East. And as a fan, they had free food. So. <laughs> I like to think that, that everybody was there to watch great baseball, but I, in the back of my mind, I think it might have to do a little bit of something with the free food they give out. But as long as people are there watching and cheering, I, I don't care why they're there. Hey, Hey, whatever works, whatever works. But uh, talking about your team a little bit. So you have uh, five players returning and again, a small sample size from last year, only 15 games in, but uh, five players that played in 13 or more games, all returning next year. Um, those players being Luke Franzoni, Jack Housinger, Nate Minostra, Garrett Schultz, Cody Darcy, and Andrew Sexton. How crucial is that to kind of bring back some of the leadership and experience of those guys that are familiar with the program and the Xavier way and everything like that as you prepare for I mean, really an unprecedented season with a lot of different variables you might have to deal with. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome. You know, um, so so when everything hit last year, the NCAA made a decision to allow all seniors to come back and, and play their fifth year um, this year. And we were lucky enough to have all, all four of our guys, all four of our guys who were seniors last year, come back and, and play again for a fifth year. And that's the two you mentioned in, in Nate Minostra and, and Andrew Sexton, also Trey Schramm and Sam Zabala. And, and all four of those guys are, are they were incredible leaders last year in their, their true senior year. And now just with, I, I think, you know, another year of maturity, another year of perspective really about how lucky we all are to be playing this game. It's taken away like it was last year. Um, it, it's great, you know, and, and specifically when you start, start talking about Trey Schramm and Nate Manasher, guys that have been through it before, you know, those are two of um, the last remaining pieces that they really contributed in our 2017 regional run. So those guys have been through it before. They played against Louisville in a regional. They played against Oklahoma. They, you know, they've been to Big East championships before. So to be able to look at, at those guys for leadership, not just in a, um, a lead by example way, but also for, for verbal leadership, it, it makes my job easy. You know, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be the leader of this team. I want to enable the guys that, that they really look to and look, really trust to, to be the leaders of this team. And we've got some great seniors this year that will do that, uh, take that role with a leadership standpoint. Definitely. And what have you seen just in practices and scrimmages through this um, excessively long off season? But um, what have you seen on the field from your guys that has you really excited about the upcoming season? It's been competitive, you know, um, so normally we're allowed to play some fall uh, outside competition. So last year we played uh, Kentucky and Tennessee in, in fall games. This year that was taken away because of COVID. So it, it's truly been almost a year since we've competed against another team. But all through the fall, all through the spring, we've been competing amongst ourselves. Um, we're hitting that point in the season now where it's like, OK, we need to go play against somebody else. You know, we've been seeing each other, thrown to each other, facing each other on the mound um for a long time now and it's, it's time to go see where we stack up against outside competition so getting down to a is going to be fun they're one of the best programs in the country year in and year out and to have an opportunity to go down there and see how we stack up is fun but you know i like our squad i, I like the leadership i really like our pitching and the depth that we have on the mound you know we uh we, we can go pretty deep i think you know guys that have been there and done that and proven themselves in, in a big way so um you always want to pitch you know, and, and, and especially in a year like this, you need depth on the mound, you know, because you never know who might get quarantined, who might test positive and how what starts as depth right now starts to thin out pretty quickly. So 
Uh, I'm excited about the depth we have on the mound, and, and I'm excited about our offense too. I think we have some some young pieces in there that can really make a, a major contribution in a big way. So um, I, I think it's a very talented team that we have this year. Yeah, definitely uh, a lot to be excited about. And then uh, Nick Zwak coming back, of course, posted a 2.31 ERA last year. I mean, that's always good to have uh, coming out of uh, or taking the mound and being able to shut opponents down. Yeah, Nick's a dude. Um, you know, he uh, to watch his his growth and his development over his time here at Xavier has been incredible. You know, you can look at back at his stats his freshman year, not very good. His sophomore year, not very good, but he worked and he worked and he worked. And last year was absolutely dominant. And this year he's going to be even more dominant. You know, we were out at Long Beach State um, last year, right when things were coming to an end, and and Nick had an awesome start against them. And I talked to their coach the next day, and he said, "Man, that's the best arm we've seen all year." And they had played a, a really legit schedule up until that point. Um, I got a bunch of top 25 teams and he said, our, our guys came back after that game and said that, that dude's a, that, that guy's a dude on the mound. He, he's the best stuff we've seen all year. So I'm excited for Nick. You know, he, uh, he was a little bit under the radar from a scouting perspective last year, just because he hadn't had the track record of success, but I think he's on radars now. And I think he's going to go out there and prove himself in a big way. Yeah, for sure. And looking at the non-conference slate, um, starting with Texas A&M, of course, you have another SEC team, Auburn on the schedule. Um, you have Wofford, uh, Mercer, then you have the regional teams like UC and Dayton. Um, are there any uh, big non-conference games or series, I should say, that you're looking forward to? I know the UC rivalry and the Dayton rivalry are always, uh, always something, but uh, is there any team in specific that you're really circling? Obviously, you're circling Texas A&M first and foremost, but... You know, and it, it's it's coach speak, it's cliche to say it, but it really is just one week at a time. And all our focus is on Texas A&M right now. And hopefully we go down there and play well and perform well and come out with a couple wins and then we'll lock in on Wofford. But, you know, our schedule is, is so challenging start to finish. There's not a, a program in there that you look and it's like, ah, uh, some easy wins there. Wofford is a legit program. Evansville has good year in, year out. Obviously, Coach Guggen's over at Cincinnati has a great program, and Dayton's really been good lately, too, on top of the, the two SECs and, and Mercer as well, too, um, a, a, a program that we played a few years ago, and they took it, took it to us pretty well, pretty good. So uh, it's dangerous to start to look ahead and circle any any specific team, but I'm excited about all. I'm excited to play, you know, whoever we play, wherever we play. Uh, it's just exciting to go out there and play. But, no, the, the competition that we face, I think it's been uh, – it's kind of something we've always focused on as a program and something we prioritize is going out and playing against the best. And I feel like we're doing that this year. And, you know, that that's uh, you, you learn a lot about yourself and I think it develops you and I think it prepares you for what's coming at the end of the year. Yeah, sure. And it's definitely going to be great just seeing more baseball, whether it's on TV or streams or radio or however you can get it as there's like 10 inches of snow on the ground and it's freezing cold and we haven't watched college baseball since mid-March of last year it's it's I'm sure you're more excited than me as a fan but I mean it's just going to be a welcome sight and sound to hear the ball hit the mitt and everything like that so it'll For be sure. uh it'll be so refreshing I'm sure yeah no doubt no doubt well we wish you the best of luck in 2021 uh we'll definitely be cheering on the Musketeers here on the Roll Blob podcast we'll try to do some updates and everything like that and uh Good luck against Texas A&M and uh, beyond that. And thank you so much for joining us and uh, have a great season. Thanks, Coop. I appreciate it. Big gets, big Coop. Let's go. Uh, I, 
Coop Ledford has been a hell of a gift for us, and he just keeps on getting better. Xavier basketball by stock now. Uh, that was cool, man. I mean, there was a like Xavier baseball has been on the up, man. So that, that was kind of cool. I remember being super invested. Um, I think we took like an early exit. We had like a really good year, won the Big East. This was probably like 16 or 17, maybe. Yeah. I think right, uh, I think right before uh, Billy O'Connor came on. Yeah. Um, but, um, UC's new coach yep. is what was our, was our with, coach. With he's our, he's our baseball coach. Yeah, she's really, but, really good. As you know, we, we got a, <laughs> and we heard about it from Mark been... Londa. <laughs> Remember that was one of his huge arguments. You guys can't even keep your baseball coach. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because <laughs> you can't even found... name our baseball coach. Yeah, Xavier's been founded upon baseball, so obviously a huge loss. Um, no, but honestly, really, really cool. And I'm I'm looking for. I think Xavier baseball stocks on the rise for sure. Um, it it is. I mean, uh, especially like uh, ever since we joined the Big East, and yeah, we've been pretty consistent with it. I mean, yeah. obviously, Xavier's been, been like good, a national powerhouse. Yeah, uh, we had a we had that really good season in seventeen where uh, we were really close to a regional final um, appearance in yep. Uh, yep exactly in the College World Series. I gotta so, get off and, here and see how DePaul's looking. <laughs> I bet you they got some lit ass names on their baseball team. <laughs> Dude, Pantelis <laughs> fucking liked this tweet from like fucking like October that this dude was getting into. It was something that I was tagged in and Pantelis liked it. It was like six months ago where someone was saying like, yeah, you have some ginger like dancing on the sidelines with some shit. Pantelis is clearly going out of his way to like look for himself on Twitter. No question about it. I was, I just died, dude. Random Pantelis like from six months ago. I respect ago. it. I yeah. respect it. And I think it was at like 2 a.m. Like I had the alert. Like <laughs> I love Man, it. Man of the people, Pantelis. I love it, dude. Yeah, but let's fucking enjoy some uh, some Mick Cronin Buick Bowl games. Let's go. I want to see some sweat. I want to see some yelling. I want to see some pancakes and some uh, some Bill Walton not knowing who he's announcing with. Oh, another real quick shout. The Dick Vitale Geico commercial is really funny. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, Dick Vitale's on the up right now. He's he- – He's seeing a stock surge. He's seeing a stock surge with with the Pepto, the Geico commercial, Lorraine. Um, I'm shouting out my old baseball coach. That obviously big deal. Uh, big day for baseball coaches. Um, I am hodling my Dick Vitale stock for sure. I got my diamond hands ready to go. Um, Andy, buy those stocks. Let's get the AMC rolling in, um, and uh, let's put our forty dollars to work, baby. All into Bitcoin. And also a big happy birthday to our favorite bartender, Herschel at Dana's. Happy 17th birthday. Eat some balls. If you know, you know. Uh, but I really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, I know it's been a, a tough a tough winter. Uh, obviously not super fun in Xavier fan land, but uh, hopefully this helps. And uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you supporting us and, and listening and everything like that. And I hope it serves you. But anyway, Andy, pleasure. It was good to go mano a mano, man. It was like the old days. Like old times, just how we started. <laughs> and luckily you got it like a good hour and a half <laughs> and we're still I'm, going i'm really sorry you think long podcasts are cool yeah we went on for a long fucking time <laughs> at least it wasn't three hours i mean we, we've had those days so um i'm sure that my girlfriend's uh glaring at me as we speak but um worth it worth it if we did it for old times andy and it, it was fun and it was awesome and uh kind of good to get some of the bullshit off our chest this was a good like you know, I feel like we just kind of like decompressed and got some of the shit out. We went on like a cleanse, you know, we got the shit out. We got it out of our system and now we can move on and what Butler's ass is Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. And uh, like we had such, you guys had such a mellow episode last Friday. Mm-hmm. It was good to get, to get back. We had to get back to our ways. Yeah. I mean, come on. 
It'd be really good yeah. to have that full balance back. We, next what, week. we put people to sleep, you know, and we had the chill episode or whatever. Did you listen to me and Coop? We had like the ASMR vibes and like it was very NPR esque. And uh, we're back with the heat tonight, boys. <laughs> A little ebb and flow, a little heat miser, cold miser type. Um, you, dude, we literally don't know what to fucking do. You and I cannot close a podcast. So I say on three, we hit him with a roll blob and get the fuck out of here. One, two, three, roll blob. You guys know I dump trucks on my wall?